Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we're just going to have a twins a twins chat because there's something that uh, we both think is very important and something that we've both actually dealt with in the workplace. And this is something that I think almost everybody in theater or kind of in general has dealt with. So today we kind of want to talk about harassment and workplace violence. And it's a huge thing right now, especially with the Me Too movement, which is predominantly at the moment... Um, sexual harassment, but there's also a lot going on with the local administration, or not local, but the um, administration (laughs) that has to do with discrimination against race, color, and religion. And those are two two sub-areas of harassment that take place, but we kind of just want to bring to the forefront other harassment that happens. So um, as you guys know, I recently worked at Portland Opera, and I'm very, very grateful for the fact that Portland Opera does have a very extensive HR department. And my first week there, I actually had a HR meeting that was scheduled for three hours. And I was very confused because this is not something that's common in the, the arts world, and especially in opera. It's there's very few places that either Stacey or I have worked that have actually had somebody who is dedicated to HR. Usually it's tacked on to somebody else's job description or it just doesn't really exist. And that's kind of what got Stacey and I thinking about this whole topic is the meeting that I had in Portland. And I I got to sit down and watch videos and fill out documents and get handouts and just have a, a full-on discussion about it. And I actually got very emotional during the meeting because it was just so uh, nice to have a company that that had Took a, it seriously. Have a plan in place and have be open to discussion. And every single person who came in got this orientation and so did the chorus and so did the crew and it was just kind of amazing. So that's kind of what we want to talk about during this podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I was full-time at the Norris for, you know, quite a few years. And we did have some training, but most of it was here, watch these online videos, fill out these questionnaires, print out your certificate that you did it, and give it to me. There was no... There was like no, actual discussion. Yeah, there was no discussion. We did it on our own computer. It was required by a certain amount of time. So most of us were busy and so just like did it when we had time. It was also not geared for performing arts. It was a general generic uh, harassment thing. And there's certain things in the performing arts that I feel uh, are not the same as a workplace. Backstage in theater, people do quick changes. And they strip down to their underwear and put on other clothes, and usually with the help of people. It's not uh, common in most businesses for that to happen. So I feel like things need to be discussed in the performing arts world and the entertainment industry um, about harassment and what to expect and, you know, what is and is not harassment is a little hard, but somebody stripping in front of you is not harassment nobody means anything sexual by it 
if you're not comfortable, walk away. But it's there's things in the theater world that I feel um, need to be discussed in these harassment or training programs um, that that I've never gotten. And a lot of theater people work 1099s, which means you're independent contractors. And the company usually does nothing for harassment training or anything because as a 1099, you're independent contractor. So you're not really a part of the company. Um, so a lot of training just doesn't happen. You're in for the job and you're out. So I, I thought it was amazing that even though Cindy was on, only in Portland Opera for one show, that they all went through the training. They were all treated equally. It was very focused towards theater. And it she called me afterwards and went on for like an hour about how great it was and the things she learned and how she wished she'd known some of these things earlier because it does happen. And sometimes you don't see it immediately, but sometimes you do see it immediately and you just don't know what to do or where to turn to or if it is harassment or how to handle it or anything like that. So, yeah, like Cindy said, we thought it was something important to to bring up and give some information and some websites and some uh, just personal knowledge about it so that people feel like, you know, it does exist. We need to talk about it, but it can be figured out. And there are people out there that can support you. And there are companies that do support you in this. And, you know, in, in my dream world, every company very soon would have a policy like Portland Opera does and would make it as important as every other um, aspect of the theater world. So the first thing I kind of want to talk about is actual is is what this program that I did through Portland Opera, which is Workplace Training Network. The first document that I have is called Workplace Harassment, and it kind of talks about what is harassment. There's a number of examples of what is harassment. One of the first one is quid pro quo harassment, which is this for that. It's unwelcome sexual advances, advances usually, which request uh, sexual favors for something else. So it's, you know, if if you... I'll give you a promotion or I'll cast you in a show or I'll give you the leading role if you do something sexual for me. This one I feel like is kind of a, not a common one, but something that most people are aware of and people talk about, especially for the Me Too movement. The, The second category is hostile environment, which is unwelcome, unwanted, offensive, or intimidating conduct, ongoing, severe, uh, Actions that interfere with someone's job performance. It can be verbal, visual, or physical harassment. Some things that kind of fall into this category is the whole uh, race, color, religion, sex, age, disability, sexual orientation, marital status. All of those discriminations fall under this hostile work environment. Um, the big thing that jumped out to uh, to me on this category is the line that says it interferes with somebody's job performance. One big example that they used in the videos that I had to watch is sometimes something can happen between two people that some people do not consider harassment, but some do. An example is some people, and especially in the arts world, are very physical and friendly, and they like a lot of hugs, they do back massages, and they're just very touchy-feely. And most of the time, that's that's okay, and people are okay with it. But you do come across situations where maybe the person isn't okay with it, or maybe somebody that you're in a cast with is not okay with it, and they don't like the fact that so many other people are touching each other, and it makes them uncomfortable. 
it's, this is always a tricky situation because even if you are comfortable with it yourself, if you are making somebody else uncomfortable and they ask you to stop, you really have to stop doing it because it, because it makes them uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of, it is tricky, but I think that is the line you have to draw because I think we all need to work towards making a safe environment and a comfortable environment for everybody around us as well as ourselves. And that just really, really stuck out for me in this program that I watched. And I think that also brings up a good point is that you have to tell them. You have right. You, you can't just be like, they're making me uncomfortable. They're making me uncomfortable and go, go to supervisor and be like, they have to stop. Like tell them because they might not know that it's making you uncomfortable. They feel fine about it and they're not doing anything sexual or whatnot. You know what? Back massage is a back massage. And if you don't like it, can you, you can say, hey, can you guys do that in your dressing room or can you do that not in the green room where everybody is? But you have to have that open conversation because they they probably will be like, oh, OK, sorry. And, and but if you're not else. comfortable having that conversation, you can go to your supervisor, but yes, you should absolutely. be very specific about why it makes you uncomfortable or what makes it uncomfortable. You know, somebody can't fix the situation if they don't know what it is that's bothering you. So it, like Stacey said, it, it's been open about it and it's being direct about it but it's also being um as specific as you can about it you know you can't just say i don't like these people they make me uncomfortable it's it's all about conversation um some examples of inappropriate conduct you could kind of break it into three different areas there's verbal visual and physical I don't really going to go into too much detail because I do feel like this is, for me, something that's discussed often. Um, some verbal examples are foul or obscene languages, comments about appearances or body parts, um, sexual jokes, sexual activity jokes, um, asking somebody about their sex life or about their personal life, using demeaning nicknames, which kind of is something that's done often in theater and then I have told multiple people that they cannot refer to me as honey or sweetie that's not my name um, or unwelcome sexual advantages these are all verbal things that happen and to me it's it's very common especially when you get into an actual theater and you're backstage there's always banter that goes on and a lot of times that does make people feel uncomfortable um, uh, the second example is visual this one to me is not as dominant in our field, but it includes suggestive or sexual explicit pictures, posters, calendars. If you have a cubicle and you have you know, a whole bunch of naked women hanging on your walls that people walk past and see on a regular basis, it will make somebody uncomfortable. Offensive or inappropriate emails, screensavers, texts that you send to people. Um, also written unwanted or obscene letters, comments and note cards. You just kind of have to be aware of your surroundings. If you were to walk backstage of a theater and see, you know, naked women plastered all over the backstage wall, it would make you uncomfortable. And that's something that I've never seen in a theater, and I don't think I ever will, hopefully. Um, but it 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 is it could be conform, um, considered a form of inappropriate conduct and harassment because women don't want to be around that and it's you know it's similar for men too we're not you're not going to walk backstage and see penises drawn all over the place that's just inappropriate and the third one is physical activities which we kind of mentioned earlier but it's hugging kissing squeezing um 
It could be, you know, slapping somebody on the bottom or invading somebody's personal space, neck and shoulder massages, touching someone sexually, leering or staring at them, blocking someone's movement physically. You know, if, if you're literally cornered in a room, even if that person doesn't mean for it to be harassing, if you're physically trapped and feel like you can't move, that is a form of harassment. Um, it's a very uncomfortable form of harassment. You physically are trapped and you can't go anywhere. And these, they're just, they're signs to look out for. And they're things that I think some of us take not for granted, but we just kind of dismiss in the theater world because you tell yourself, oh, this happens all the time. This is common. But again, if, if you're uncomfortable with it, this is something that needs to be brought to people's attention. And I think it is being brought to supervisors and companies' attention more and more. And I think in the long run, I think it's a really good thing. Um, other ac actions that may result in hostile environments are comments about people's age, people's religious affiliation, their sexual orientation, the color of the skin. Again, this is something that I also think is talked about more and more, but that can also be discrimination. So what do you do in these situations? As an employee, you can either talk to those people and let them know you're uncomfortable with it. If you have a close relationship with somebody, I think that's a good step forward. If you are not comfortable talking to that person, you need to go to your supervisor. And hopefully everybody's workplace has something in line that kind of has a, a hierarchy. You know, you go to your supervisor, if nothing happens there, there's another person that you go to, or there's an HR department, but that you should always have options and have somebody that you can report to. And that's what Stacey and I have both found is kind of lacking in theater in particular, is that there's not always somebody to go to. Or, or there's no system, like I go to you and then that person says, oh, well, that's just the way they are. Yeah, and then there's okay. no, there's no way to follow up, which is difficult. Um, so what we're we're actually hoping to do, and we'll try to post this in our in our Facebook page and on Instagram, is that there are resources out there that are available to individuals and to companies that can provide that can provide that person for you to talk to. There are organizations that if you have nobody to talk to in your workplace, you can call this organization and have them step in and take care of it themselves. And that was something that I honestly didn't know existed when I was in this situation um, a year and a half ago. There was I didn't know that there was an outside organization that you can call. Um, at the time, I honestly didn't think about calling my union, which is one option, but there, there are options out there. And I'm sorry that I don't have them available to me right now, but we will find them and we will share them because nobody should ever be feel like they're in a situation where they cannot get out of a unsafe environment. And unsafe, we want you to know, and because sometimes it's hard, unsafe is not just physical. Unsafe can be mental, it can be emotional, it can be physical. It's not just someone raised their hand and was threatening to hit me, I'm unsafe. But if you're being... If people are demeaning to you all the time, or if you feel like if you walk into work today, somebody might, you know, touch you inappropriately or corner you in a room or something like that, that is also unsafe. And nobody should have to do that anywhere. And so it needs to be addressed and taken care of. Unsafe is not just physical. 
the brain can do a lot of things and people who go through the uh, psychological um, abuse or um, personal abuse or people pulling power over you all the time and making you do things just because they have a higher title, that's also abuse and also not appropriate. And uh, there can there's issues with that. And that should be reported as well. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things I feel is not being taken as seriously, maybe in, in every work environment, but especially in the theater environment. I think that's that might be one of the last one that's going to get attention pulled to it. Um, right now, the sexual harassment is very big. Um, discrimination against sexuality and religion is is dominant in everybody's mind at the moment, but it's the mental and emotional abuse that I think is going to be the last to kind of take hold. And hopefully, you know, people will help move it forward and make, make, make others aware that it's not, it's not going to last for long. You know, if I can do anything in this world, it would probably be that to make everything a safe environment to work in. Um, the next thing I, I kind of want to talk about is, kind of what Stacey mentioned, but it's it's in this um, group of, of training that I went through, they actually call it workplace violence. And to me, this was the most powerful one because it's the one that I think is least talked about. And it is, it does fall under mental, physical, and emotional violence. You know, threats can be physical or emotional. Damage can be done to you know, can be property or it can be a uh, mental damage that's done. And there's obstacles that are often in somebody's way. And this, this goes for workplace harassment and violence. But a lot of times these things are not reported to superiors. And some of the common causes that have been found in research is because often people don't, they don't want to cause a conflict. They want to avoid conflicts. They want to avoid discomfort. And they feel like if they bring these matters to a superior, that they're the ones at fault because they're causing the conflict themselves. And people feel like if they just ignore it or they continue to let it happen, that now it's not hurting somebody else. And that's a really big issue. And I think it's it's difficult to bring something forward that's uncomfortable to you. But if you don't, it's just going to continue to be uncomfortable. And oftentimes, if you are being harassed at work, then you are not the only one that's dealing with that harassment. And um, this is something that I dealt with. I, I tried not to talk about it. And it, was, it took months before I was able to talk to coworkers about it. And then I realized that um, this was happening to other people in the, the company as well. And if I had spoken up earlier, maybe it could have been fixed earlier, or I could have helped prevent it from happening to other people in the company. And this just is a perfect example. You know, I didn't want to cause conflict among other people. Another example is acceptance of the aggression and hostility in the work environment. Women, especially, I think, in the theater world, feel like they can't, they can't step up and say anything because, you know, we either feel like we we need to just suck it up because we're lucky to be in the position we're in. And if we step forward and say something, then we're going to get dismissed or we're going to be made fun of or we're not going to be hired anywhere else. 
And I think it's something that we should no longer accept. It's something that we need to say, no, this is not going to happen anymore. This needs to stop. Um, And the final fear is, well, not final, but one of the last fears that I have written down is fear of snitching or retaliation. You know, if, if I complain that I'm having a lot of problems at a specific company, there's a huge fear that I'm not going to be hired back at that company anymore. And if my whole, you know, I make a living as a freelance artist, I don't want to eliminate that company from my, from my, you know, my revenue income because I said that somebody made me uncomfortable or someone, you know, made a sexual advantage or, you know, sexual advance to me. So it's, it's very difficult, I think, especially in the freelance world, because you kind of don't have that protection and you deal, you accept a lot more than you should accept. I, both of us are female and both of us are white. So I know there's advantages to being white and all that um, comes up all the time. <clears throat> but in, in the entertainment world, in the technical side and production side, where Cindy and I both are, uh, women are not as predominant. There are quite a few stage managers who are women. Uh, yes. There's hardly any technical directors. It's rare for me to come across a technical director or shop foreman or master carpenter that is female. So it it does come up all the time that I am female. And, and I don't take it very personally because I'm aware that I'm female and it's happened so often that I just know it. But... It, it does happen. And I don't think people mean to be discriminatory against me because I'm female. And, and because most people aren't trying to be discriminating. But it does happen. Um, I'll show up to a new job and, and I'm the TD or I'm just working and I'm just crew or something. And they will explain to me how to build a flat. Yeah, I know. I know how to build a flat. I've been doing it for years. And they'll be like, oh, can I help you with that? It's like, no, I know how to do this. I I own the tools. I've been using them for years. Things like that do happen. And it can be considered discrimination, but just, it's a tough one. If you can do it and you do it, and then they're like, oh, okay, she knows what she's doing, then great. You don't have to be mad at those people it's I'm trying to say it's a very fine line I get discriminated against but as soon as they see that I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm talking about then usually everybody lightens up and lets me do the job because it could also be that they're just worried that I'm there and trying to prove myself and getting over my head and a new person who's coming into work they may not know exactly what they're doing and I too watch any new person who I hire just to make sure they know what they say they know and to make sure that they're not going to put themselves or someone else in harm and to make sure they, you know, are on the level that they say they're on. So it's not necessarily discrimination as long as it doesn't go for an extended period of time. If a male asks me to pick up, to help pick up something heavy, then yeah, I know I don't have upper body strength and I'm not going to be able to pick it up. Don't take that as discrimination. I'm female. That's why they're asking. I ask guys all the time if they need help picking something up because it's heavy. So it's just, it's a very fine line and nobody can tell you what's right and what's wrong. 
and nobody can tell you what you think is discrimination and what you think is not discrimination. So like Cindy said, if, if you think it is, if you are feeling uncomfortable, if you have concerns, talk to that person, talk to a supervisor, talk to HR, talk to someone about it. And, you know, they can talk to the person or go through some things because sometimes it's just, um, you know, they just want to be helpful. They just want to make sure you know what you're doing. They want to make sure everybody's safe. Um, so it, but it's, it's always a very like fine line. Take it to the next, you know, take yeah. it to the next level. Yeah. As long as I'm not there for three years and they're still telling me how to build a flat. But if they ask then first, it, like, yeah. do you know how to build a flat? And I say, yeah, and I do it. And then they're like, oh, okay. And they move on. Then, then I feel like that's not really discriminating. They just want to make sure I know what's going on. And I do the same thing to males and females because I want to make sure they know what they're doing before I just turn them loose with a table saw and say, here, go, figure it out. Hopefully you weren't lying on your resume. But I think that also kind of falls in the category we were talking about, you know, some people are okay giving each other massages and some people might feel uncomfortable about it. It's being aware of the actual situation and aware mm -hmm. of the people you're around and the aware of who's around you, you know, it's, it's on a much more personal basis. Like Stacey said, there's not a hard line one way or another. Um, I've had people ask me if I need help carrying things and I don't get offended because of their tone of their voice or how they approach the subject or how they've treated me up until that moment. And I've had other people who've asked me the question, but because of how they've treated me beforehand, um, I can tell they're asking in a very derogatory way just because of their actions. So it's just being aware of that and aware of how they treat others around you. You know, if if there was a, if Stacey was working crew and there was a TD who asked every single person if they knew how to build a flat, that's different than if they like came and singled you out necessarily in yeah. a derogatory way. Or if they only asked the females, but they assumed the males were okay and be like, well, he's new too right. and I'm new. Why, why did you not ask him? Um, but right. yeah, it... I, Better be safe than sorry is the big thing, and not just in harassment or whatever, but just, you know, theater is a constant moving living environment. You never enter the stage two times and have it exactly the same. I mean, you got things hanging above your head, you got power tools, you got platforms, quick changes, darkness. Uh, it's better to be safe than sorry. So I'd rather you ask me if I know how to do something before I do it than just assuming I know how to do something and abandon me. So yeah, like Cindy said, did, you know, just pay attention and see what else is going on and how have they treated you before and are they continuing to do it over and over and over again or tone of voice. Um, it could mean a lot. Do they roll their eyes when you say you know how to do it? Are they laughing? Are they going to somebody else and just standing there and watching you but like with their hands on their hips and being like, let's watch your mess up? Or are they just like, oh, great, you know how to do it? Perfect. Let me know if you have any questions. And they're probably just checking on you. You totally said something in there that made me think of an Opera America conference, and I can't remember what it is now. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. You talk to sometimes, and I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, she didn't stop talking. Okay, now I forgot. <laughs> um, well, one of the things to go past just the sexual or discrimination, uh, as Cindy said earlier, one of the big things is that's not coming to the forefront, I think, as much is the psychological and emotional um, 
dis- not discrimination, but harassment and things that can go on there. And again, it goes with what we were just saying. There's no hard line. It The world is not black and white. There's no two people who will see everything the same. I may say, that's not discrimination. He was just making a joke and someone else can say, oh my God, I'm horrified. I'm discriminated against. I'm, you know, harassed or whatever. So you do have to know who you are with. But paying attention to the psychological and the emotional abuse that can happen or does happen is also something that is not talked about because it's not anything that you can necessarily see. If you're physically abused and you come in to work one day and you have a black eye, it's pretty obvious something happened. And if you come in work the next day and you have a broken arm and you come in work the next day and you've got, you know, half your hair missing, then there's something happening. But if you come into work day after day and you're just not happy and you don't want to come to work and people are constantly insulting you or putting you down or telling you you can't do something that is also harassment and it has it causes the same amount of damage just in a different way our brains are amazing weird creepy not entirely sure how they work things And you can hurt them, you can get hit in the head and it'll be hurt, but you can also be told that you're an idiot over and over and over again and eventually you believe you're an idiot and then you start acting like you're an idiot and then you just can't do anything right and there's nothing that somebody just turned over one day. It's usually small things that go on and on for a long period of time And you, you know, it's hard to necessarily always be able to tell that it's happening until you wake up one day and you're like, I hate work. I hate life. I don't want to do anything. And, and it's harassment. Um, Not to say that nobody. There's a a Portland opera in their, their, their policy that they hand out. There's a quote actually that I think is perfect. And again, the only place that I've ever seen this mentioned at a company, but it's under bullying and unprofessional behavior. And it's part of their harassment policy. And it says, bullying is defined as unwanted, intentional, written, verbal, nonverbal, or physical behavior, including but not limited to threatening, insulting, or dehumanizing gestures that has the potential to create an intimidating or offensive working environment or cause long-term damage cause discomfort or humiliation or unreasonable unreasonably interfere with the individual's performance of their job. Such behavior may be one-time activity or be carried out repeatedly. Bullying may involve but is not limited to unwanted teasing, demeaning or belittling comments, threatening, intimidating, stalking, physical violence, or public humiliation. And these are things that I feel are so common that everyone just kind of ignores. Because like Stacey said, it's not black and white and different people will take it different ways, but it's also not something that you can physically see. And it's it's just so common that I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just amazing to me how many people have dealt with this situation or dealt with these these instances. I mean, how many times have you gotten you know, that you've, you've 
been in a room where you feel uncomfortable because of what somebody else is saying or an action that somebody else is taking. And you look around the room and you're like, well, nobody else feels like, you know, nobody else looks like they're uncomfortable. So it must be me. You know, it must be my fault that I'm uncomfortable. Where in reality, many people are probably uncomfortable and they're just afraid to say it because nobody's ever come forth and said it before. So it's just one of my favorite things about you know, this policy and, and why we think it's so important to talk about because, you know, even if you're being humiliated, that's a form of abuse, that's a form of harassment. And you shouldn't have to deal with that in your personal life or at work, and especially at work. And I feel it it's difficult because oftentimes this form of harassment comes from a supervisory position. Usually it doesn't go up, right. it usually comes down because people feel that they're entitled or I don't know, they have a title, they have money, they have power, they have, I don't know. But it often comes from the top down, and so you feel like there's nothing you can do. If your bosses constantly tell you what you're doing is wrong, and you're always, why are you always doing things wrong, and why can't you get this right, and it's simple, anybody can do it, but you can't do it, that that's harassment. Like, if... If they really don't like you and you really are bad at what you're doing, then you should probably leave or they can ask you to leave or they can train you to be better or they can help be a supervisor and, you know, get you to grow and learn and feel comfortable and feel better at what you're doing. But constantly telling you that you're doing a bad job or that you're terrible at your job or that, you know, you shouldn't be doing something is not helping because it gets into your head and it really can mess you up. And if you're constantly thinking, oh, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to get in trouble because nothing I do is right, then you're absolutely not going to do anything right, which is just going to get you in more trouble. And it's a very bad downward spiral. And you don't always know what to do, uh, especially if it comes from a supervisor. That's why we're saying there's, there's always a chain of command and you may not always know who to go to. Um, if it's the executive director who's been a pain, like who do you go to above that? You can go to HR, you can go to people on the board, you can go to a completely outside organization. There are different companies that you can talk to. Um, there's a government agency, EEOC, who uh, works with discrimination. I know government agencies are government agencies, so they're huge and you may not get personal attention. But there is someone you can go to to talk to about it. Because just because you have a high title does not mean you are. It's acceptable for you to treat anybody less than human. Whether you're the janitor or you're the president of the United States, you're still a person. And there's no reason you need to be treated poorly or demeaned or anything like that just because of your pay grade or your title or your gender or your religion or anything like that. It's just not acceptable. Being the supervisor position is, is one of the most common ones, but there it's not the only way that harassment works. There are many examples of, you know, coworkers who are on the same level who harass each other or who bully somebody else because, well, you, you can never answer why somebody um, threatens or bullies another person. But if somebody feels threatened themselves, they may lash out at somebody else. And there's also, I forget the exact term, but I think it's called third-party harassment or third-party bullying. 
and you that is where a outside person say a vendor or a customer um will harass you in theater stacy and i were trying to figure out it, you know especially as as technicians if you deal with this very much and we can't think of too many examples but i definitely can you know if you're working in a retail position you'll have customers come in and can totally treat you like crap or you know throw something on the floor and expect you to pick it up people who work in the restaurant business i can see this happening all the time you know patrons come in and and want food and they treat you like you're nobody and that you're supposed to clean up after them all the time. I can see this in theater kind of what we were thinking about box office would be a big one because you're in a community engagement because you're out there working or um, dealing with people that are not necessarily in your organization. And it can happen in those situations as well. And those are a little bit trickier because you, you can obviously go to your supervisor and you can get help. Um, but sometimes the best form of action is to not communicate with that person anymore which you can't always you know you can't always stop you can't confront so there's so many different forms of harassment and bullying and workplace violence and I think that might be why it's something that's not talked about so much is because it's just a little bit overwhelming when you think about all the things that actually do happen and um, all the different areas that that it does include but I think there are companies out there and there are theater organizations out there who are making huge strides forward into making it a safe place for people to work. And I know Opera America has been taking it very seriously as well. I wasn't able to make it to the conference this year, but I know one of their largest keystone or one of their largest uh, events this year was about sexual harassment and how to, um, how to, not see it, but, you know, how to kind of make sure that other people are safe and how to, if you witness it, what do you do? And what do supervisors do? What do companies do? What are, what are, what is Opera America and, and every opera company doing as a whole to prevent this from happening or to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To, um, you can't prevent it from happening how to deal with it if it does happen, how to not ignore it, how to take action in the best way possible. And so I, I do think we are moving forward. Um, I know equity has a number of things in the works. Um, some new contracts are being written that are including specific language. I think it was last year or the year before when a whole bunch of equity members got together um, and went to Actors' Equity and said, we want very specific language written in every agreement that is very specific about what's harassment and um, procedures to follow and who we would go to if this happens. Not necessarily someone at the company, but there should be someone in equity that we can talk to that is dedicated to HR. Uh, and it probably won't be long before every other union starts to do the same thing. I'm obviously not as familiar with IOTSI or AF of M or USA, but I do think that we are heading that way. So I think it's a really awesome thing to talk about. Um, and I think they're also going to become a very big resource for people soon. Um, not all of us work in union settings all the time, but that is what I found out in my case is even if I was working a contract that was non-union, I am union 
So I could have called my union representative to have them help me or, you know, to at least give me a resource, even if, you know, a specific contract is not union. So I think that's something that people can keep in mind. Um, I actually had a friend yesterday reach out to me who is working on a contract and there were some, there was some issues happening that could definitely be considered bullying and harassment and she didn't know where to turn and her company manager wasn't helping and the production manager wasn't helping and you know the options was she's not equity but it, it was an equity contract so I told her she could call equity or she could um, you know call the police and unfortunately it turned to the police and that had to happen but you know just the fact to me that she didn't the people that she shot, she thought she should go to didn't help her. And then she didn't know where to turn. And so I'm really glad that she did turn to me and that she felt she had somebody that she could talk to. But it's just hard to think that, you know, what if you didn't have that person to talk to? Who do you go to? What do you do? So hopefully more organizations will make those opportunities available to people or resources available to people. Yeah. So let's turn it around now. We've talked about what is harassment and who you should go to and things like that. What if you are the supervisor and somebody comes to you? Um, I'm a technical director, production manager, and I've had people come to me and say they feel like they've been harassed or that they feel uncomfortable. Or at one case, I was working with a student organization and the producer and I were fairly close. And she came to me and said, some of the students have complained about feeling uncomfortable around a certain crew person. And it was 100% my responsibility to do something about that. Because I wouldn't want to be in those students' positions. I wouldn't want to be... Um, I don't want to deter anyone from being in theater. I don't want anyone to feel unsafe or uncomfortable. I knew this crew guy for a while, and I know he didn't intend for it to be uncomfortable. He wasn't trying to do anything. He wasn't, he just was, like Cindy said, one of those touchy-feely people who liked hugs and was hugging people. And not everybody is a hugging person. And you don't always know who's a hugging person and who's not. Once you're around them a while and you realize they never touch anyone, you kind of get it. But not everyone is touchy-feely. Not everyone wants a hug. So I had to go and talk to this crew member and um, explain things to him. And luckily the producer didn't give me the names of the girls, so there was no way I could tell him. But I did talk to him in front of another person so that there was no he said, she said, or whatever. But I brought it up to him um, as casually as possible and as uh, open as possible. I did not accuse him of anything. I did not fire him immediately. I said, hey, I've gotten some word that a couple people are uncomfortable with you hugging them. And he said, well, who said that? I said, that's not important. I don't know and that's not important. The fact is that you, you can't do that. Not only are these children, but they are female. Um, they are in a class to do this show you are a paid crew member you need to be professional and draw that line and if one of them wants to come up and hug you i'm not saying turn your back and run away do a quick hug make sure your hands are high make sure it doesn't linger anything like that don't be rude but don't initiate the hug don't uh linger for too long 
don't walk up behind somebody and wrap your arms around them. I said, it's not appropriate in the workforce. And he, he got a bit upset about it because he said, I just don't understand. I, why do people not like hugs? And I said, just some people don't. I don't give hugs to a lot of people and I don't give get hugs from a lot of people. Except for close friends, that's it. I mean, I've worked with people for 10 years and I think besides like passing a bolt back and forth, there's no physical contact. Uh, and that doesn't mean that I'm weird and it doesn't mean that someone who wants to give a hug is weird. Just not everyone is the same. So I did talk to him about it uh, in front of somebody else. I did explain to him that it was not appropriate. I did tell him, though, that I'm not going to fire him. I thought he was doing a good job on everything else. He just needs to watch his behavior. And if it comes up multiple times, I will have to take him off of shows. And I don't want to do that because he's a good crew person. But that he knows that that's a possibility and he knows that he needs to watch himself and he knows that if he continues to do it after I've talked to him, there could be consequences. Um, never once did I mention the kids' names. Afterwards, I went back to the producer and told her how the conversation went and said, please tell the girls that he doesn't know their name or anything. I appreciate them coming forward. If they have any other complaints to come to you or me or somebody immediately because we don't need to make a hostile in working environment and not even hostile, just uncomfortable. Like I said, people are doing quick changes backstage. It's a thing that you have to worry about, especially with students. Uh, that particular show, I was also helping do a costume change and the guy helping me do a costume change was a male and we were doing a costume change on a female underage. She was fully dressed. She had petticoats and, and everything. So we never saw anything. But I talked with her, I talked with the producer, uh, we talked to her mom, we made sure that there was always a female present during any of the changes, just because we didn't want her to feel uncomfortable. After the first time going through the quick change, we talked to her afterwards alone into the side so she didn't have to feel like she was getting anyone in trouble. And we said, is this okay? He's male, we're both over 18, you're under 18. If you're not comfortable with either one of us, let us know now because there's no reason for us to continue doing this. We have other people we can switch out. Um, and just being conscious of that, that you do have to be aware of your surroundings and who people are. She was fine with it. She was like, oh, no, he's great. Perfect. But if she had even questioned a little bit, we would have had to remove that guy from that particular thing. Not from the show. He wasn't in trouble. She just wasn't comfortable with it. Uh, but she was. So, you know, it just, as a supervisor, you do have to take things seriously. Don't just brush them off and be like, oh, that's just how so-and-so is. No, he, he can be that way around his friends. And if people are comfortable with it, okay. But if people are not, then he can't do it. One of the things, um, I think this is in another of the workplace training network um, pamphlets that I got, but it says supervisors, um, in the eyes of the law, the supervisors are the company. The company has a legal duty to provide and maintain a safe working environment for employees. So it really is, is and by supervisor, it's really anybody who oversees anybody else. But if somebody does come forward and you do not take action or you do not properly support that person or investigate um, the claim or anything... 
Right. If you don't, if you completely ignore it, then you can legally be responsible for it as well because you can be considered an accomplice. And we're not saying that you're, you know, you have to instantly go and fire somebody. There are false claims out there, but you do need to take actions and move forward and talk to that other person or talk to somebody else who may have witnessed the situation. You do need to take action to to figure out what's going on. Um, there's so much I can say about that, but I will be quiet. <laughs> um, some, <laughs> some supervisor action items. Make sure the employee knows procedures regarding threats and emergencies. As a supervisor, and again, this is something that Portland was using at, you know, they, my supervisor and HR um, made it very clear what the, who to go to if there was a problem. And it wasn't just one person. I had, you know, three different options. So if, you know, my supervisor was the problem, I had somebody else that I can go to. Uh, make sure contact information is readily accessible for emergency resources such as law enforcement, fire, and medical. Uh, again, Portland Opera had stuff posted, you know, in workrooms and in rehearsal halls so that it was something available for everybody. Um, respond to all threats, emergencies using appropriate resources such as law enforcement, fire, medical, HR, employee assistant programs if available. Uh, supervisors should always listen respectively to concerns, take all threats seriously, make sure employees are comfortable sharing concerns and know how you will keep information as confidential as possible. Um, right, you, you just want their trust, but you also want them to be able to come up and talk to you. Tips, tips for preventing escalation. This was actually a really interesting, uh, this little clip of the video that went along with this handout was really interesting to me because it was a, a situation with a person who was very angry and was showing all these very aggressive signs. And it was to try to teach people on how to um, prevent a situation from escalating. This is not always possible. Sometimes there's really nothing you can do. But some actions that you can try to do to prevent a situation from escalating, especially if there's anger involved, is to try to keep calm yourself. Move and speak slowly, quietly, and confidentially. If you raise your voice, that automatically um, increases the heart rate and can just anger the other person. Keep body language relaxed and attentive. Encourage the other person to talk. If someone's really angry, they don't always talk rationally. And the more you can get that person to talk, to talk about the situation, to talk about what's bothering them, to talk about why they're angry or why they're pissed off or why they're annoyed, will sometimes calm them down and just help diffuse the situation. Um, listen closely and patiently to that person. Assure the, the other person you're interested in what they're saying. Do pay attention to them. Even if you don't agree with what they're saying or what they're saying is making you angry, if your goal is to calm that person down so that there's no... Uh, no violence that comes after it, you do have to listen to that person. Acknowledge their feelings. Ask them for a specific favor, such as moving to another area or taking a seat to create a sense of cooperation. Calmly describe consequences of any violent behavior. 
use delaying tactics such as offering them a drink of water. And this one I thought was really awesome because you're showing that you you care about them and that you are taking them seriously and you're listening to them and you're showing them that you're trying to help them. But it also will distract them a little bit and hopefully uh, diffuse the situation. Accept criticism in a positive way. A lot of times when people are angry, they, they start saying things that are not always pleasant. Uh, maintain access to exits. If something does escalate, uh, escalate, you do want to make sure that you can get out of that situation. Try to always maintain three to six feet of personal space. Again, angry people will try to get close to you. And then document the interaction using um, objective, observable facts. The other thing that I learned just being the production a production manager, but also production stage manager, is document as much as possible. This can be in an in a email or literally just right after something happens, go take a note about it. Type something on your computer, use a notepad, write down the day, the time, when it happens, words that were said. And it doesn't have to be super elaborate and it doesn't have to be long and it doesn't have to have like a timestamp. Like you don't have to write an email and send it. But just take notes if things do happen. And I think this is especially important if you are the one that's being harassed, if you're the one that's um, feel like you're being bullied or uh, there's workplace violence, is to just kind of document all these different situations. And this will help you when you're talking to your supervisor, but is also good if anything does escalate and you need to take it to a lawyer or you need to take it to a counselor, is that you have documentation of what happened and what steps you took to try to make things better. If yeah, you I did go to a supervisor and talk to them, write that down. You know, I, this, this happened, this situation happened. I went to my supervisor. This is what we discussed. This is what happened after that. Um, I think that one is just as important as being bullied is that you did try to talk to someone. You did try to diffuse the situation. You did try to do something. And if, you know, what actions were taken or what happened after that, because so many times nothing happened and they need to be held responsible for protecting their, the people who they're supervising. Yeah. As I mentioned in a court of law, as a supervisor, if you do nothing, you are held responsible for it. Um, another thing that I actually found really interesting is as a stage manager, especially we're all very aware of uh, accident report forms. It's something that, you know, we can find on the equity website you know, if somebody were to twist their ankle or break their leg, we all have accident report forms that we fill out and we turn in for some physical harm. But what I got in this program was actually an incident report form for harassment, for sexual harassment and for workplace violence. And I never actually considered having those available because I feel That's like... An excellent in thing, though. That's, yeah, I'd exactly. never heard of that. I feel like in our society, um, you know, mental and emotional health is just kind of like brushed brushed under the rug and everybody takes, you know, um, it, like Stacey said, if you break your arm, that's much more obvious, but you're going to ignore the fact that somebody's depressed. So maybe that's something that we need to start carrying around and having available for people. You know, if, 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 if a harassment's happening, somebody should have access to a report form to fill out and turn into people. And what's on this is pretty much similar thing to what you would find on an accident report form. It's the employee's name, job title, location, telephone number, um, 
who committed the, the behavior that you're talking about. Is this person an employee, a relative, a third party? Is it a contractor, a client? What did they say or do that made you feel uncomfortable or that caused you some pain? Uh, what statements were made? Was anybody else present? Was it there a violent act that was committed or was it a verbal act? Was it an emotional abuse? Who witnessed the incident? Um, did they he overhear anything or were they involved in the situation? And then, you know, your information, your job title, your telephone number. But this is something that I think people can fill out and kind of have available for them if, if they want to go to a supervisor or to turn into a supervisor. And it's just a way of documenting what happened. And it's a way to keep record of it. And I think it's a way to show people that it is as important as anything else that happens in this world and that people do take it seriously. I think it's also useful to be a form for people to fill out. When you're being harassed or abused or you're upset because someone just called you a bunch of names and threw things at you, you're very emotional and adrenaline is running high. Uh, I often break into tears or start shaking or I don't know how to form sentences and my brain just stops working because all I can think about is how terrible this is right now. A form is great. You know what your name is. Let's start with that. You fill out your name. You know where you are. Great. Fill that out. Now your brain's already like, okay, we know the answers to these questions. And it gives you a spot to write it down and the questions to answer. That way you can easily go through and answer the simple questions. If somebody gave me a blank sheet of paper and said, here, write on this, what, what do you start with? What information do you want right. to know? Uh, forms are excellent. So I think that's great. Like those should just be available. We're definitely going to have to uh, post that on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff because, because the first thing I do when I need anything is Google what a form looks like for it. Yeah, seriously, it was something I like literally never thought about. And when I turned to that page, it was the last page of this packet. I was like, oh my God, this is genius. Why did I not think about this before? Why does no one talk about this? Why is this not readily available? Why do stage managers not have 20 of these lying around? Oh, you twisted your ankle? Oh, you were, you know, you're telling me that, that something happened in rehearsal that's unacceptable? Here, you know, let me help you. Let me figure out how I can help this, you know, be better let me take documentation so yeah yeah and not just crew people but i mean not just actors but crew people too uh, oh yeah everybody i you know it should be hanging on the wall where people see it or by the time clock or something where people feel safe getting it and it's safe looking at and it's always there so that people don't feel awkward being like oh can i get into your desk and get that one form that everyone knows is hidden there like just make it common practice that it's out and make it common practice that you're okay to talk to about things and you're willing to talk to people about things uh because i think that that helps a lot if if yeah the one it shouldn't situation... be taboo it shouldn't be something that you're embarrassed about because if yeah. you're being harassed, it's it's probably not your fault. Yeah. And if it is your fault, then maybe we need to talk about, well, maybe, you know, if you're harassing them and they're harassing you, then maybe both sides need to stop. You know, again, it's not black and white. You never know. It's good to talk to both sides, see what's happening, understand what's going on and, and make decisions. But you definitely have to follow through. You definitely have to talk to people or view the situation or read the emails, read the reports. Pay attention to what's going on because you can't be everywhere. There's going to be stuff that happens. Just let it known that not everything is acceptable. And if something happens, they 
they can come to you as a supervisor or as a friend or as a colleague or anything like that for help and to make the place better for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Because like, like you said earlier, you're, people who harass people are not picking on just one person. They may pick on one person more than others, but they're probably harassing and picking on multiple people. And that yeah, just exactly. makes going to work miserable. And nobody wants yeah. to be there and everybody is unhappy and that brings down productivity and that it just, you know, snowballs. Snowballs. <laughs> there we go. Not that I know what snow is, but I see pictures when you post them. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. So, yeah, that's that's I mean, I, I hit almost all the topics I want to talk about. This is obviously something that could go on forever. I think this, you know, is, is something that needs to be discussed. It's something that needs to be thought about. It's something that needs to be brought to the forefront. Um, I think we have a long ways to go, both in, in theater and in life in general. But, yeah, we just want everybody who listens to this to know that there are options. And we will try to post information as we come across it. And please feel free to share it with us. If you know of an organization who, you know, is is out there and willing to help people, if there's – I know there's um, pro bono lawyers that can help in situations and there's pro bono counselors and there's, you know, just organizations that are there to help people. So I think the more that we all help each other with those resources and with making it acceptable or making the discussion of it acceptable, I think the, the less harassment will happen because people will start to get in trouble for it and people will start to be held accountable for it. And hopefully that will make it end. Also, if you have any of those sweet forms that Twin was talking about, definitely send yeah. those in. I mean, one form is great, but if we have five or six to look at and that everybody can look at, um, then people get to choose what form they want to use. Or if you know of an online resource to do harassment training that you want to give to your team or just put available on your site so that your team members can look at it, definitely send that along. I mean, any information we can help share and help uh, spread around is great. And just opening the conversation so that people know it does happen. It is actually very, very common for some form of harassment to happen at some point. I guarantee everyone in life at some point is harassed. Um, so just being aware of that and knowing that you and have that is unacceptable. <laughs> it is, but it happens. And so how do you deal with it? What do you do? How do you make it stop? If you're watching somebody else harass somebody, how do you... What do you do? What do you, how do you help them? How do you, anything like that? Like, just, like, it doesn't need to be a secret. Nobody needs to keep it a secret and hold it in and just get so down on themselves and depression and all that uh, for something that can be talked about and helped. And that's, that's really what we want. It's just for it to be controlled as much as possible, but also just be a conversation so people know they can talk about it. Um, nobody's going or we're not i'm sure there's some terrible people in the world but nobody's gonna judge you for saying you know so and so hit me in the face i don't like it yeah i can see that so and so is calling me a name i don't like it yeah that's just as valid as somebody punching you in the face it doesn't mean one's better or worse or more important than the other correct okay well that not was a most... very light-hearted <laughs> fun conversation i'm glad we had that one <laughs> but very important very important so thanks 
thanks for joining us on our podcast and <laughs> i promise next week will not be so dark <laughs> dark but helpful we're going dark home. but helpful we're yes. going helpful thank you everybody talk to you later thank you for listening to today's podcast for more visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on itunes or google play music you can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.